Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, let's just start with the big news. We'll jump right into it. Uh, redshirt freshman defensive end Christopher Roth, of course, no longer with the team. Jerry, you reported that yesterday evening, and I'm going to let you talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I, uh, it, it was interesting development. Um you know, just uh, received a couple of calls on that um, and uh, that Chris Ross is uh, no longer with the team. Um, and I believe he's been removed from the roster. So for those wondering if there's a chance he comes back, um, I, I would say no. You don't remove somebody from the roster if you have intention of coming back, Bobby. But, um, you know, we're, we're not going to really get into the why uh, necessarily. Um but the, the news is that he is no longer with the program, no longer on the roster, and no longer expected to uh, chance of his return as of today. He was at the game on Saturday, apparently, uh, Jerry. I, I think he's try, he was trying at least at one point to get back in the good graces of the, of the uh, program. Not sure uh, exactly what happened. Uh, also, I, I, people are mentioning it here. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Clearly the better team. Uh, better hitting team from one to nine. Uh, the back end of the Astros roster just didn't get it done. Astros lost uh, lost that game probably in the early innings. Uh, JP France just couldn't hold it down. Uh, they, uh, you know, I, I, I will be. I, I'm. I think that the, the Rangers have something special. They went out and got Simeon and, and uh, Seager to shore up the middle of the defense. They baked some guys like Josh Young and uh, Adalas Garcia has been unbelievable. Uh, good, good, uh, good win. Uh, a series win. Uh, I, I've never seen a series where four games go to the opponent away. Uh, that's the away team and three games goes to the opponent. That's the other away team. I mean, baseball has got to do something about that. I don't know if the, and the Astros had traditionally have had problems in the postseason at home. They haven't been dominant at home. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but congrats to the Rangers. Uh, Blake, I know you're smiling over there. What happened? Uh, what what what's the when's the last time the Rangers have been to the World Series? Oh gosh, what 2012? I've been waiting 11 years for this. After watching, I think it was May. The Longhorns have been waiting longer. We we did the Big 12 championship, but you know. Oh anyway. man, I've been waiting so long for this. I, I'm so excited. I couldn't go to bed last night. So here we are. Right, yeah, by the second team in second time in history, all seven games are won by a visiting team. Yeah, it's been played a lot. That's a crazy stat. That is. Yeah, 2019 was the first time. So, it, it, very interesting stat there for baseball. And it's both happened in the last four years, obviously. Hey, Chris Ross, what does this affect, in your opinion, Jerry? Uh, um, well, look, I, I think he had the best first, second step combination rushing the passer. He hadn't been a productive player. There wasn't anything he had done to where you look at it and say, oh, no, that's a major loss for Texas. Well, you know, the one – the key is, though, he was a second-team guy, and he had beaten out some other guys, including Jamon Tapp, who now Jamon Tapp's going to have to play a bigger role, especially with Ethan Burt being out. Looks like two, three weeks. Um, you know, Sark called it week to week. I don't expect him to play against Kansas State. Maybe he'll shock us. I don't expect him to. Uh, so it definitely it definitely challenges depth to the position that already had question marks entering the season. 
Um, Ethan Burke by, with three sacks was your leading sack guy uh, as an edge player. He's now out. Chris Ross did supply um, some disruption because his first and second step are so quick in the Rice game. Showed up a little bit against Bam, but then got hurt against Wyoming. Uh, so Texas hadn't played with him for a while. But again, the depth takes a hit. Um, you know, and it's obvious it's easy to say uh, ne next man up. Uh, but now Jamon Tapp really is next man up. And he's got, he's got a lot of talent. Now he's going to get a lot of snaps for the first time in, in his career. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if, if he can put up some production here. All right, guys. Well, the other uh, news, of course, Sark had a press conference yesterday. We got some injury updates, among some other things. What were some of y'all's main takeaways from that? Or, well, me and you now, Jerry. What were some of your main takeaways from that? Yeah, you know, my main takeaway from that was, um, you know, look, he he uh, he obviously, obviously, Quinn Ewers is multiple weeks, right? He he's going to list him at um, week to week, and then. Um, I guess, am I working on a pause, Blake? I don't know here. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, so, you know, he's going to be a couple of weeks here, at least for Quinn. We'll see when he comes back. Um, I think, obviously, the main topic of conversation is Malik Murphy and Arch Manning. Um, you know, uh, Sark said that both of those guys get rest this week. Um, uh, both those guys are going to prepare to play this week. He said if the game was played on Monday afternoon, Malik would be the starter. I thought that was interesting. I expect Malik to be the starter, but he didn't just come out and say he's the starter. Period. Um, you know, and and that's how Coach Sark is. But those guys are both going to be prepared to play um, th this week, and I expect to see both quarterbacks Saturday, Blake. I really do. I think both those guys are going to play. The other thing um, from the uh, press conference on an injury standpoint was you know, Jadon and Catalan placed in that week to week as well. Sark said Quinn. And Ethan, then he said, oh, and Jalen Catalan probably in that week-to-week -week as well. So should we expect Jalen Catalan this week? Probably not. Um, so that that's going to be the question is, uh, you know, that defensive backfield, the edge position and defensive backfield are taking on a lot of uh, water with injuries right now. It's going to be interesting to see who's available. Sark said later in the week, he does the Thursday Zoom uh, as well with me. He said later in the week, they should have a better idea of who's going to be available for the game Saturday. He did not mention Ryan Watts, um, Alfred Collins, Gavin Holmes. Uh, he did not mention any Jade Barron. He did not mention any of those guys. There were no follow-up questions specifically on those guys. Um, so he didn't have a reason to comment on those guys at all. Uh, but, yeah, that that's where we're at from the injury uh, standpoint. And Bobby, what we were talking about, of course, was the uh, the press conference yesterday from Sark and major takeaways from that. Did you have any? Um, yeah, my. It's clear he likes Malik Murphy. That that was probably my biggest takeaway from that. He feels like Malik has some has a chance, but here's what I would say to that. He, it's clear to me that he's going to lean on what he says, what those guys do well. And he meant Murphy and Manning. He's not going to, and he said this, he's not going to give them the entire playbook. This isn't, you know, Quinn Ewers in year four or something, right? Or Mac Jones in year four, whatever he had, whatever the quarterbacks he's had. It's going to be a dialed down offense, 
a little bit, and they're going to focus on what those guys do well and not try to reach too far into his bag of tricks. That's that's what I took away from that as much as anything. Um, and so sticking to the basics may be a good thing for a Texas team that needs um, an identity on offense and not just having – like I, I think that Sark – is it is it just me or do you sometimes think Sark has too many toys to play with? He's like the and – and I mean that from a, a positive because he actually can do something with them, right? It's like the kid that has every Lego set and he can do everything. Um, it, by focusing on one thing, perhaps Texas becomes great at that one thing over the next week or two. And then when Quinn Ewers is able to come back, if he's able to, as we suspect, uh, then he that takes it to another level. I think focusing on one thing and being great at that, uh, it could be a recipe for really a good football team in college football. Now, it's not an unbeatable team, which is Sark's ultimate goal, right? Which is why he wants all the toys and the ability to attack a variety of ways. Uh, so I... I think this refocusing of the offense under Malik Murphy and or Arch Manning um, is going to be interesting. Uh, so it uh, could be could be uh, formational or foundational. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's uh, it'll be interesting from a pass protection standpoint, Bobby, because, I mean, look, they uh, Quinn was a more experienced quarterback in their system. Right. Um, so you saw where, um, you know, you saw where JT Sanders is in motion. Uh, is in a pass pro situation against Nelson Caesar, a draft pick at DN. Is Sark going to do things like that with younger quarterback, right? With a guy who's never played much at all, never started a game. I think it's going to be interesting from a protection standpoint uh, and schematically how Sark attacks uh, the BYU game, uh, because I'm not sure it can be exactly the same it was with Quinn Ewers from a protection standpoint. I'm not sure that probably makes sense with a first-time starting quarterback, even though he's been on campus, you got to remember Malik's been injured. It's not like he's ha had every practice in one year. He was a scout team guy. It's much different than prepping to play. I agree. I, I the 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 question I have on that is how much time Sark said he missed to practice last week. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if it's something beyond an ankle or a yeah. leg, lower leg. Is something else going on? And I don't know what it is. But yeah. it, it, he didn't look like he had any kind of leg, lower leg problem when he played on Saturday. No, no. So what he, is it that, that he's missing the, the, the practices for? Right, because he, he he did not look injured at all. When I saw him Saturday, I was at the game, nothing taped. He looked fine moving around the warm-up. So that, that'll be interesting uh, to see. And, and I think that is – I expect both quarterbacks to play Saturday. If I'm wrong, people can tell me I was wrong. Uh, and I think both quarterbacks are going to be prepared to play Saturday. Um, because to your point, Bobby, there's something going on there that we don't know. Hey, Jerry, I want to mention this too. And Blake, uh, we need to talk about Ryan Wingo, uh, the wide receiver out of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Chad Simmons of, uh, of On3 yesterday reported uh, that uh, Missouri and Texas are the real two finalists. Um we do know that that based on what Jerry's learned, and, and I, I don't mean to take this away from you, Jerry, but uh, Jerry's learned that Texas remains in contact with Ryan Wingo. Uh, as of late yesterday, Texas had not been told they're out. Missouri had not been told they're the ones. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. He announces, what time does he announce tomorrow, Jerry? 
Uh, I'd have to look, and that may have changed. Let me look at the time for that. Um, hold on. Let me look at the time for that, guys. That's okay. Uh, I mean, look. But, but yeah, he's announcing. He's announcing. Yeah, he's announcing tomorrow. Yeah, I'll, I'll get the time in a second. Yeah, the, the reality of it is, is we think that he's likely going to Missouri, but the yeah. rea- but but at least Texas continues to be in play there. Um, could that mean that there's something in, involved that that we don't know about? At this point, we don't know. I mean, we I think Jerry and a multitude of others have put in their picks for Missouri. Missouri is expected to be the pick. Uh, but uh, at least communication continues. 4, 4 p.m. Central tomorrow. 4 p.m. Central. I was making sure it hadn't changed because I thought originally it was 7. Hey, Jerry, also, you were on the road yesterday. Uh, you learn anything while you're out on the road uh, covering recruiting? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I stopped by Lancaster High School yesterday. Um, by the way, 2025 receiver, somebody asked in here, uh, Antoine asked some great recruiting questions. 2025 receiver, Emmanuel Choice. Uh, he has a real chance, guys. He's six. Four one eighty five. He ran 14, 5, 5, 110 hurdles, wow. qualified for region as a sophomore. They think he could be a 14 1, 14 flat, 110 hurdle guy. Pretty impressive at 6'4, 185. Really ball arms extended, ball skills, soft hands. Uh he's he's got a real chance. Oklahoma offered him in the spring, even though he was out with a shoulder injury. He's got about eight, nine others, Nebraska. Uh, people like that, Ole Miss is about to offer. Lane Kiffin was by the school a couple of weeks ago recruiting other players. But obviously the big the big news uh, there is for Texas in 2024 is Corey Gibson, uh, the Clemson commitment. He's out with a season-ending knee injury. He already had surgery. Uh, he's a December graduate. I would say after being around the program yesterday, I would say it's very much a long shot Texas could flip him from Clemson. I, I think there's a – none of the, the reasons Gibson – chose Clemson have changed in his mind. Um, and I think there's a loyalty factor there. I mean, Clemson uh, is really stuck with him through this knee injury. Um, but none of the reasons he picked Clemson have changed for him. Uh, that doesn't mean Texas isn't staying in contact. Terry Joseph, if he's, even Texas A&M's trying to get in on Corian Gibson this season. They haven't been able to make a dent. Would it shock me if he maybe showed up in Austin? I wouldn't totally shock me. I think it's very much a long shot Texas could flip him from Clemson as of Tuesday, October 24th. All right. Well, hey, guys, we got Drew Kelton coming up here in just a minute, so you want to be sure to stay tuned for that. And then, Bobby, if you're ready, I'm going to let you tell everybody about our sponsor today. Yeah, thanks, Blake. Uh, our sponsor today is Game Time, the fastest-growing ticket app in the country. And for good reason, on game time, you can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And it's absolutely perfect for last-minute decisions. So if you're looking for BYU tickets this weekend, K-State from two weeks from now, uh, or perhaps you're a Rangers fan and want to get some some, uh, tickets for the uh, big game in the World Series, uh, give game time uh, a try. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I've personally used Game Time for sporting events and concerts myself, for both myself and family. If you need last-minute tickets, there's really no better place because the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through email, worry about other aspects of it. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code on Texas for $20 off. Download game time today. 
last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We appreciate game time sponsorship of coffee and football and on Texas football. We continue to have a bunch of Chris Ross questions. So I'll, I'll reiterate, uh, no longer with the program, no longer on the roster. Um, not a Chris Ross decision. All right, guys, we got a super chat that we're going to get to before we uh, get Drew on here as we wait for him. And this one from Buddy Pal Chief Big Guy, one of my favorite usernames on here. Uh, and thank you, by the way. He says, after seeing Ian Boyd's Twitter thread, I owe the safeties an apology. The major busts on crossing routes were either blown linebacker assignments or poor play design. On the crossing routes, yes. Not on the deep balls. Yeah, I know. I mean, Manjack got, got deep on him. Uh, the Matthew Golden got deep on him for a touchdown. It was Ian's right on the crossing routes. He's not right. It, it, don't take that to mean he's right about everything else. Uh, but and I'm not saying he actually reported that they were wrong. I mean, I'm not arguing with Ian here. The crossing routes, you're correct. Uh, we talked to uh, Tuck yesterday about that, and he's like, it depends on the play call. I wasn't there. Uh, but it, it looks like they busted a couple of zone assignments for the linebackers. Uh, they also uh, were getting picked fairly easily uh, and not actually disrupting the the uh, uh, wide receivers line. Uh, I could see a little bit of everything there, guys. So yeah, definitely. Uh, hey, before uh, as we still wait for Drew, Jerry, I'm gonna we got a couple of recruiting questions. I'm gonna yeah, yeah. Real quick. This first one from Brock, it's a two-parter here. He says, why wasn't Brian Wesco never on Texas' radar? Or why was Texas not on Wesco's radar? That's yeah. A good question. yeah, Texas tried to get it on Wesco. I mean, after Chris Jackson was hired and he went through and evaluated wide receivers in the state, they tried to make a move on Wesco. They just never really could uh, make a dent there. Look, I mean, it was a long time thought he was going to go to Oklahoma. His sister played soccer there. He had been on that campus a number of times. Uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, nothing I've heard negative on Texas, nothing I've heard negative on Wesco. It's just it was, you know, Wesco never really uh, reciprocated the interest by Texas. Um, and I don't think it was that Texas came in late on him, uh, late being, you know, his junior year, spring of his junior year. Um, I don't think that's what caused uh, anything because Clemson wasn't on him that long in reality. I think Bryant Wesco is just not a school, not a school he had a lot of interest in for whatever reason. I asked that question too, by the way. Yeah. I asked Jerry that question uh, about two months ago. Uh, and I can see why I like that. I like Bryant Wesco. I like, I like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, this next question is uh, from Ralph Neely. And he says, Jerry, are you going to stick around for the Duncanville DeSoto game? Well, I've got I got to go back to Houston um, Wednesday night. Well, I, I may Justin Wells or myself will be at that game. One of the two of us will be at that game Friday. It may be it may be Justin because I think he's already going to be up here on Thursday. But we'll see. And That's a big game. There's going to be a lot of players on the field on that one, Jerry. Oh, a lot of players. Yeah, going to be a great one. For sure. Hey, you know, you know, that's such a big game that. DeSoto actually reached out to me driving up to Dallas yesterday, which never happens. And uh, uh, head coach Claude Mathis, hey, we got a ton of media asks. Who are you coming or somebody that you work with coming? That's how many calls and asks they've had. That has maybe only happened three times in my 20 years doing this where school called and said, are you planning to be here or somebody you work with? 
All right, guys. Well, it is that time of the morning. We're going to go ahead and bring in Drew Kelton, former Texas Longhorn. And Bobby, I'm going to let you take it away. Good morning, Drew, by the way. Hey, happy 10th anniversary, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um, Did you have a good time in Napa? We did. We did. Um, It's just the weather there is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's nice out there, man. Could not beat it at all. Well, Houston's not exactly known for nice weather. So, <laughs> no. As soon as you get off the plane, or as soon as they open the doors to the plane in Houston, the humidity just hits the yeah, it just it hits you. So, yeah, right on the jetway. It, it yeah, gets you. Hey, yeah, Drew, yeah. Uh, you got a chance to see the game, I assume, a little bit and, and uh, uh, sit back and look at it. Obviously, uh, you know, the Longhorns got off going strong and then had some problems. Uh, as uh, we just mentioned, actually, from uh, one of the uh, 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 people that listen to the show, uh, audience guys, uh, mentioned that Ian Boyd says a lot of the crossing routes that tech gave Texas problems were issues with linebacker play and busted assignments there. What did you see on those those uh, crossing routes that maybe Texas could have done differently or misplayed at, at some level? Oh man. So I know, you know, it's funny, Bobby, I noticed this the first time against OU and it wasn't so much the crossing routes as much as it was. We've put things on film now where teams know how to attack. And so we have some tendencies and there's some rules that are built into our defense that teams have figured out uh, we don't have answers for yet, or they figured out when and how they're going to attack. So Oh, you did it with motioning guys out of the box and, and running the quarterback power over the quarterback draw. Um, we're seeing it last week with U of H. Um, they know eye discipline is key for those linebackers. And with some of the rules we have built in, whether it's a shallow crosser or mid-level or intermediate route crosser, your eyes, your feet, you have to be efficient with those things. And it's just, it, it kind of, goes against i mean it's just shown it's been a tendency that we've shown that we've had troubles with so there are answers to it um i think now you know steve steve sarkeesian always says you know you get what you emphasize well it's on film now so hopefully they're putting emphasis into it this week i can't imagine they aren't uh, because there's always a solution uh, for a problem but uh, they're gonna have to figure that problem out here real quick Hey, Drew, Drew, I had, oh, go ahead, Jerry. Drew, if you have something. Drew, how much does it change? Yeah, yeah. How much does it change if you're not facing that dual threat quarterback or that QB run game threat where you're having to use a backer as a spy? How much is that going to maybe change the way Texas attacks defensively? Because BYU does not have that threat, but they're going to run a lot of mesh routes on Texas. Well, this is kind of the perfect week to test it, right? Um, yeah. BYU is not an overwhelming team. They should not win this game no matter what, yet they still provide some challenges that allow you to work on things that you've struggled with. And that's without having a you know a running quarterback to, to be worried about. So uh, this is probably the perfect game at the perfect time, um, at least give us something to work on and show that we, we can um, improve on it. So, um, yeah, I typically would be concerned on back-to-back games, and BYU has definitely had some teams what we should be concerned about before in the past, but uh, fortunately, this isn't one of them. Yeah, they don't have Taysom Hill, I don't think, unless he's got it. He unless he's got a, a brother, nephew, something on the team these days. Hey, uh, Drew, uh, we we mentioned this, and 
one of the things that Jerry and I and Blake were talking about in the pregame or in the in the earlier, there are so many injuries right now on the Texas defense. I mean, we literally they at one point on Saturday they were down three of their top four cornerbacks. Only Manny Muhammad, the true freshman, was even available, right? Um, what do you do as a defense when you look around and you go, my God, I don't have any – I mean, the guys that we started with ain't back here anymore. I mean, what what is the idea? Is it just next man up? Is it hold on for dear life? What what are you thinking? What's going through your head as a, as a player in those situations? I'll say this, Bobby, because uh, I've I, I, I thought about this. When I was playing, I mean, we had guys get injured, but you kind of knew the drop-off was deep. I mean, if Michael Huff can't go for you, if my, like there was just – we had enough depth of the leading guys, but all those guys were starters, all those guys were playing. We had five bona fide, like, just great DBs. But even if you had a – I mean, if one of those guys got hurt or too many guys got hurt, there was a drop-off because other guys hadn't played yet. They hadn't seen the field. So, for whatever it's worth, I mean, this defense rotated. I mean, earlier this season, they were rotating with 30 guys through the defense. And, yes, those are across the D-line and um, and, and throughout the, the, the defensive backfield. But they've been rotating all year. Um, and at the end of the day, you've been rotating all year. You've been p- preparing guys to play all year. You, you, you've talked about your depth. So let's let's lean on that. Uh, if that's not if that wasn't something I knew we had been leaning on already, and that we had been intentional about already, um, I, I won't say I'd be more concerned, but because I still have my concerns. But I, I think I, I wouldn't hold. But but I'm, I guess I'm going to hold the team accountable for what they said they have already prepared for. Uh, this is what we've been doing. We've been rotating guys. It has been next man up. That these guys have gotten a chance to, to to get on the field, and they're all hungry too. So uh, we got to see what they do. I think that's a great point because, I mean, ultimately they didn't crater at the end of the game when they had all those guys. I mean, Jure Bledsoe and, I mean, Aaron Bryant was playing in the fourth quarter. I mean, a, a number of guys that, that don't see a ton of – Jamon Tapp don't see a ton of time. They were still playing in the, in, in the fourth quarter. And then you had the, the back-end issues that were playing a bunch. Maurice Blackwell – was in on the final play of the game, for example. He was the mm-hmm. one trying to put pressure on Donovan Smith. So guys that haven't necessarily seen a ton of action, there wasn't that huge drop-off, maybe because they were somewhat ready to go. Uh, I think that's that's interesting. Drew, any other overall thoughts on that game? I mean, you're from Houston. What does it mean to go back in Houston and, and beat the Cougars one final time before heading off to the SEC? No, Bobby, both my parents went to Houston. Um, <laughs> And and I remember I had a seven on seven tournament uh, at at U of H. Um, this was like a three game quick weekend tournament there, and I can't remember the DB coach who was there then, but he was standing with me out there on the field. It's like, hey, you see downtown? You see that right there? It's like, yeah. It's like that's home. <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, yeah. And I'm trying to get out of here. <laughs> I need to get out of here. I love U of H. I went to basketball camps at U of H growing up. U of H, I mean, uh, was always a part of my, my life growing up. But no, um, I, I, I'm all I'm all burning orange here. <laughs> I was excited well, to see us finish that game. Any other thoughts on the game as a whole, Drew? For you, uh, on the game, 
is one thing, but really I'm looking forward to seeing what what we do with the Malik uh, moving forward. Uh, just assuming that that's the way we're moving forward right now, or we're going to be forced to, we'll see how that all unfolds. Um, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, Sark, you, you won't be able to hide them, right? It's that time of the season. We know what plays we run. You can try to come out quick and have them throwing the ball around and get them comfortable and then balance it out. And maybe some people, maybe that's a risk. I don't know. But if you try to lead with the running game and protect them, it's just a matter of time before, you know, we're forced to see what he can do. So, it's going to be an interesting moving forward, but I was happy with um, just how he managed the game when he came out. Yeah, I think, I, I think Drew makes a great point on Malik because, you know, like most of the time when you break in a new quarterback, he plays ULM Monroe, right? Or he plays Rice or North Texas to start his career. You're going in against, I mean, while BYU is 5-2 and two and they are smoking mirrors 5-2, and two, they found a way to win five games this year. They're bad on offense and they're not great on defense, but – his first real actions against a Power 5 team when you're ranked seven in America. Malik has a – the next quarterback, or Arch, has a little different pressure on them than starting game one against North Texas in 2009 when you're ranked 22. I mean, it, this guy steps into a di different dialed-up situation. It's going to – it's a different pressure is all I'm saying. It'll, I, I, and I think Malik – or Arts, I think those guys will be able to handle it. But that's also a different pressure on Sark because he knows, okay, I'm playing against a real opponent here. It probably helps that he's playing at home too, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that playing – you don't want this game to be on the road at Iowa State. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would not be a – that would not be a recipe at night or something, you know, something crazy like that. At least it's at, it's at home. Uh, Drew, I – you know, I, I would go back in, in talking with Jerry there and seeing. I felt like Malik, even though he was throwing the ball high or early or whatever, those two two passes he had, I felt like he looked calm. I didn't feel like the moment looked too big for him. You you agree with that as a player? I mean, that's something that players can tell other players about, right? I mean, you get a feel whether or not the moment's too big for a guy. It didn't seem like that moment was too big for him. I felt like his energy was much like the guys who are rotating on the defensive side. I mean, both in the huddle, both of him carrying out the fakes um, on, on some of his play, on some of his RPO plays, or just some of the plays in general. Um, he just he was laughing. Uh, I saw moments where where he just kind of smiling. He just seemed real calm. Um, uh, my, my my hope for him is that he continues to just really that he continues to stay within that calm space and have that energy and not put too much pressure on himself. That's for him, or Arch, or whoever has to come out. But more importantly, uh, everyone around the quarterback position needs to dial it in. Uh, they need to elevate. They need to surround them. They need to support them. They need to do their part. We can't have busted coverages. We can't have missed blocks. We can't, you know, we got to finish our plays. Uh, you need to rally around your guys when they're adjusting. There's no secret that the quarterback position is the most important position in football, uh, but especially on this team. So everybody else has to elevate their play this week and, and moving forward until uh, we just kind of figure out where we're good and uh, how we can continue to move forward with, with putting up points. What Drew, one of the things we talked about earlier and get your th thought on this, moving to a backup quarterback, uh, one of the things Sark said is we're going to do things that, that they do well, whether it's Malik and or Arch, however they do it. 
does that, you know, Sark, we talked about, he has a lot of toys on offense and he likes to involve them all, right? And that can lead sometimes to an unfocused approach, right? If you don't, if you don't get it, does making, does going to a, a backup quarterback in some ways make a team more focused on their strengths? You know, it, that, that's, that could be a positive for me that comes out of this time where Texas, to your point, refocuses and tightens up everything around the board so that they can win the game. And, and it takes a little bit kind of a different effort. I mean, at some point, and I love, we, we all love Sark as a, as a play caller, but at some point you recruit these guys, you develop these guys, and, you know, you just have to note, like if you have to go with 75 to 80% of your plays being plays that they may not know what's coming, but it's just a standard play out of your playbook. You know, it's it's not it's not any of the extra stuff. You want to think that your guys should be able to execute um, against talent that shouldn't be as well developed, uh, shouldn't be as highly rated, if you will. Uh, we've seen our depth really perform, especially on the defensive side of the ball across the D line. Uh, and yes, we have some vulnerabilities on the back end of the defense, uh, but at the end of the day. Uh, you, you want to see these guys just uh, on, on the offensive side, just line up and go dominate, line up and go dominate when you're one-on-ones on, on the offensive line, when you're one-on-ones at, at, at the at the, at the wide receiver position and just keep the game simple, but just go dominate. Um, I think that's what we've been calling for. And sometimes we get a little cute or feel as though we get a little cute, but right now uh, teams are going to expect us to run the ball, try to protect the quarterback and um, we won't have anywhere to hide. So, uh, yeah, I think we should be able to simplify things, hopefully simplify things and, and take advantage of the strengths we have. I, Andrew, I drew, I got to tell you, you have a sweet picture behind you. Just, just know that uh, Rod's got his Jersey, but you've got, you've got him on the picture. When you, <laughs> no that is a when you move to Napa, I hope you take the same picture, same wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that one, that one's staying with me. <laughs> That is so sweet, dude. Hey, that picture wouldn't be as popular in California, though. No, 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 no. They they don't they won't like it out there. I don't I don't need any enemies out out in Napa. I, I need free wine. <laughs> All right, I appreciate it, Drew. You're you're the man. We'll see you on Saturday, hopefully. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the, uh, Can't wait to get back, guys. Post game show uh, brought to you by uh, Flight by Yingling, as well as Faust Distributing. Thanks, uh, Drew, for your time, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good one. You take good. Good. Right, have a good week. Uh, good guy. Drew Kelson. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hey, guys, we've talked a little bit about the injuries. We talked about some recruiting information. Uh, one of the things that uh, we want to talk about also is this. I want to go into. We've even talked about the Rangers, by the way. Congratulations to them today. Right. Um, Michigan in this sign stealing situation Ooh. is getting a little um more hairy I, there, yes. there's some there's some edge on it right now uh pictures uh come out of the guy that is supposedly the sign stealer for michigan standing next to the offensive and defensive coordinators during their time on the sidelines uh together uh very i don't know what this means uh, uh but it seems like the ncaa thinks that uh, Jim Harbaugh and his staff went beyond the letter of the law. Uh, 
we've heard from guys like Matt Rule or Steve yes. Sarkeesian or Brent Venables or all these guys who say, look, sign stealing happens. They're not upset about sign stealing happen happening. They're upset. Apparently, whatever Michigan did has gone above or beyond the pale. And that, I, I tell you what, there's people that, that, that uh, you know, sometimes rules are black and white and people live on the gray. Jim Harbaugh lives on the gray. That's, that's my opinion of that situation. And, you know, you play with fire, you're going to get burnt sometimes. We'll see what this means. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And it's also worth mentioning that the same staffer they found out has bought tickets to games at 11 other Big Ten schools that came out that, that, that he had for sure personally bought tickets to 11 different Big Ten games. I, 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 think, I think this is, I, I mean, I, look, I'm not the NCAA, I'm not investigating it, but, but this sure does go down the path of egregious. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It, it's, <laughs> I mean, it looks it looks bad. It looks really bad if 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 it finishes where it's headed. Yeah, I mean, did do they didn't they think that at one time he may be getting help from other people he knew at at the games, like he was like farming out some of his work to other people. Is that the is that the thought process? Because he he clearly if he's at the games of of uh, Michigan teams himself, he can't be going to those games too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens. 30 plus games at 11 schools. Yeah. So, yeah. And it seems like every year, every year it's something different there. Like with, different with, with, with Harbaugh. Harbaugh yeah. is not, you know, he, uh, he, he likes to, he likes to ride the gray and always has. I mean, he thinks it's in the, the, the name of competition. He's disavowing any knowledge of this, or at least he did a couple of days ago. Uh, but at some point, the buck stops with him. Yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think the interesting part about all this is Shake and Bake says, does Michigan lose eligibility this year? I think the interesting part for Michigan, who I think may be the best team in college football this year, and now people are going to say, well, now we know why. They've got a lot of NFL talent now and quarterback experience and a team that was in the playoff last year. But how quick does this move along? Yeah. Could this affect their season? Is the NCAA going to find enough to yeah. say, whoa, 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 we are going to drop the hammer on this one? Should I think it, that's going to be interesting is how fast just, they can move this along. Hey, Jerry, not just could it. My question is if they're cheating, like not cheating and, and used it within the season, 
Should it affect their season? Should those games then be losses? Yeah. I mean, because that's just, I mean, it's one thing to steal signs. It's another to show up at another team's stadium and steal signs. Yeah. That's ballsy. (laughs) (laughs) Ballsy and wrong. No, I mean, it's ballsy and wrong. Let's take some questions from the, from uh, folks today. Uh, Blake, uh, let's yeah. let's get uh, some Longhorn fans involved. Um, we got and we got plenty of them. We're gonna start with the super chat guys from Fresh sixty four seventy three. Thank you, sir. He says, assuming Worthy and Mitchell are off to the NFL after this season, who will be the starting three wide receivers? By the way, you guys can congratulate my Texas Rangers on winning the American League pennant. Go Rangers! I don't. I my only definite starter for next year right now is Jonte Cook. I think DeAndre Moore holds uh, is a possibility. Ryan Niblett's a possibility, but beyond De- uh, beyond Jonte Cook, it depends who they get in the qu- in the portal. Yeah, and who they, you know if they get a, a five star receiver some which way uh, in the high school ranks is a possibility. But um, they're gonna they've got to go look at the portal because they're losing too much too much experience um, in, in at receiver this year. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I, I, there's just and no way. To, next no way to answer that. There's no way to that. it's gonna, it's gonna come from the portal or a high school recruiting right now. But there's just, there's no way to answer it. I think the portal is gonna be huge. Uh, then this next question is going to come from Captain Americano, and he says Sark has been praised for how well he scripts games. But he seems to struggle when off scripts. Should he simply script the entire game rather than just the first thirty plays or so? He's asking for a friend. Um, you know, I th- I think that there's a level here um, of what you can expect. It's hard to script the first thirty plays when the team runs a different defense, right? So if they give you something else, you have to react to it. Um, I, my question is is should he simplify to what's working more so than try to broaden? And look, I, it's like I said, I think that that this could actually be, I don't want to say Quinn Ewers is getting hurt is good because it's not, but in some ways it could be a blessing in disguise. Um, not unlike it was when uh, Texas just said, screw it against Baylor last year, we're going to run the ball or screw it against Iowa State, we're going to run the ball. Perhaps this helps Texas find an identity of what they can do if the passing game, the the typical passing game they rely on with Quinn Ewers is not available to them. So that when Quinn Ewers does come back, Quinn Ewers can complement that as opposed to being the sole focal point. That's my, or or too much of a focal point. That that would be my thought and hope that, that it happens. Uh, by the way, he we're going to fall. Oh, yeah. oh no, I was going to say, I'll just answer this real quick. Do we think we'll see more of Anthony Hill off the edge? We're going to have to. But for me, no real choice now. Going to have to. Well, Jamon Tapp may be starting. Jamon yeah. Tapp may be starting on Saturday. So keep that in mind. And he is yeah. not a good, as good against the run as Ethan Burke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially against a, a pulling blocker. So. Uh, and you know where BYU will attack in the run game, basically. And they should. And they should. And, you know, David Bender plays right behind him. So we'll, somebody's we'll asked about that. somebody's asked about Billy Walton. I'll say this: Billy Walton traveled again Saturday. I uh, that's the guy I told y'all about, Jerry. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I told you that he's ha he's been having he hasn't hit the freshman wall. He ha he's not ready to play the run at that level. But look, I mean, they're they're down to it with injuries and red shirts. Be damned. I mean, it's it, guys are going to have to say they're going to have to say, all right, I'll give up my red shirt even if it means playing two games. Well, they get four. They get four right. nowadays. Right. Yeah. But I mean, if you've already played, I think Billy Walton's appeared in two, right? Games already. One oh, or okay. Two. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll go back and check. All right, guys. We're going to follow that uh, Captain Maricano question up uh, about scripting plays with this one from Bobby Petronic. He says the Sark, Sark struggle off script because he lacks a ma master tactician like Saban providing him guardrails or because of our personnel, our offensive line in particular, tend to be the governor on his play calling. Man, you ask hard questions. Um, <laughs> let's just be clear. I do think that Sark loves inside zone so much. It is his bread and butter play. And when Jake Majors is on one leg, essentially, and Hayden Connor doesn't get much of a push, and combined with the fact that U of H plays interior guys that are really not trying to get to the quarterback as much as they are, just trying to push, it, it creates a scenario where Sark doesn't have his go-to play working. And that's when that, I think, when Sark's offense gets in trouble late in games. When his go-to two or three plays aren't working, okay, now i got to find something else. And sometimes he struggles to find that. Um, and I think that that starts at center guard guard on inside zone. That's, that's, that is his, you can say what you want, but that, that's his go-to, right? Inside zone. If they can move the ball in inside zone, that thing works like a, they did it uh, absolutely against uh, – U of H in that last series, and they they ran a couple different things out of it, but that's where it is. And, and, and by the way, let's say let's. Okay, guys, we got a super like. Let me add to that real quick. Why inside zone so important in his scheme? Sark's Sark's goal is to stretch the field vertically as far as he possibly can. So to do that, you run inside zone. Okay, then you stretch the field horizontally. And by doing both of those things, that enables him to stretch the field vertically. There's kind of a there's kind of a setup to all of that. And inside zone run is so important in that because if Texas can't run the ball in that inside zone game well, then those defenders can start cheating a little bit. And so it just takes away one little thing there in his process of how he wants to attack a field during a game. Be interesting to see what. Uh, Cole Hudson, if he's able to come back this week, and if he gets time at left guard instead of Hayden Connor. I mean, the, those yeah. are the times, or if he sees time instead of DJ Campbell. We don't know what the coaches are thinking in that regard. Yeah. But if they're wanting to booster, uh, boast, bolster, excuse me, the run game, I would personally think that Hayden Connor's the first man out. If they're looking to, to bolster pass protection, I think DJ Campbell's the first man out. Let pay attention to that dynamic this weekend. I guess we got another super chat. Uh, this one again from Fresh sixty four seventy three. So we want to thank him again. He says, "Jerry Bobby, will Thark ever change his mind about recruiting a dual threat quarterback 
If he sees one that is accurate with a high completion percentage and can make all the throws, specifically the deep ball, to take the top off defenses. I well, think look, he, I think his guy, and I want to say this, Jerry, I think yeah. a guy that he wants is a guy like KJ Lacey. Yeah. That is maneuverable, Bryce Youngish. He's not gonna go run a 50-yard downfield one, but he'll be elusive enough in the pocket to make linebackers stay in and have yeah. to account for him in the run game. That's <laughs> what Sark wants. Ideally, it's not a dual, it's not a true dual threat. No, I think I think the perfect <clears throat> dual threat guy for him to and it would you could say, oh, it would have been for everybody, but I'm saying a guy that he would have said, oh yeah, to would have been Kyler Murray. Yeah. Despite the size. Because Kyler is still because Kevin Murray was so good developing Kyler, and I know he's hated, but let's just talk about the kids very talented, is that he was a progression thrower, but then could absolutely rip your heart out with his leg. I mean, that that's the type of dual threat you will see Sark recruit if he ever recruits one. But to Bobby's point, and I've seen KJ Lacey twice now in person, and, and, this, and your, people are going to throw out that Bryce Young stuff because of stature, which is very true. KJ is going to be a six foot, 200 pound, 205, 210 pound kid in time. He's got some lower body thickness that you can't really see until you see him up close. But his skill set is so similar to Bobby's point. It's it's more the escapability, the play extending. And then if on third and five, progression one, two, and three are covered, he can go get seven. But he's not looking to go get seven after the first read's not open. All right, guys, let's move on to the next question here. And uh, we are going to take this one from Casey Lane. We'll talk about the defense for a second. Why doesn't the staff try to get Jade Barron at the safety position instead of taking him off the field? Maybe they will going forward. Yeah. If they go to, to, to if they go to a traditional 4-3 look, a heavy run team like say a Kansas State, for example, maybe they maybe they uh push Jade back to, to safety. That's not a bad idea. And, and uh we talked to Rod Babers. He said that he thinks Jade is the only one that could do that at this time. Um, and if Jalen Catalan's injury keeps him out longer, I would wholly endorse um, Jade Barron over some of the, some of the other safeties right now. I mean, that that's the bottom line. Okay, then this next so, question somebody's comes from Colton, 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 and he said, okay. "Go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead Colton, guys." We had Colton's. Go ahead. All right. Is the current personnel better suited to operate out of odd fronts rather than the four down, four three defense? I think Texas could still play the run well with an odd front. That's what Brian Irwin has been talking about, guys, on lunch with the coach and trying to run three a three more of a three three five. And Texas is dominating teams in the run game right now. Uh, the Texas defense. I mean, Houston gained what fourteen yards, nineteen yards on the ground all game all game long, um, yet still scored 24 points. And so Brian's thought is, okay, take away and give a little bit in the run game, but protect yourself, protect your safeties and your linebackers a little bit more in the passing game and go to an odd front. I don't know. And, and this could be something that is predicated based on how Texas just lost Ethan Burke for at least a game or two probably. Right. They've lost Chris Ross. 
they're going down and Colton Vosick is not playing and not ready. So maybe that, that causes them to look at that as well. I, I, I don't know, Colton. Uh, the answer is it's not Pete Kwiatkowski's base defense. That's first and foremost. After that, how do you adapt? I, we'll see if they do anything different this week. Okay, guys, we got a super chat here. This is my new favorite username. Mayor <laughs> Adolis Garcia. <laughs> says, and thank is, that you, by son, the way. is that your son, Blake? <laughs> <laughs> he better not be. I'll have to see if my card's getting charged here in a minute. Is the offensive line group meeting your expectations for the season? I thought Flood would have this thing turning as a top 10 unit by now. I think they've just had some – I think they've been beat up a little bit this year. I mean, we talked about it last year. They had, you know, five starters all 13 games. There was a lot of continuity with that group this year. They were going to have more of a rotation, so they kind of had to scrap their plan a little bit um, with the injury to Cole Hudson um, because I think that – I think really do believe they plan on rotating guys more this year, uh, but due to injury – um, they've kind of had to scrap a little bit of those plans. Um, do I think Kelvin Banks will be better as a junior than a sophomore? I do. Do I think DJ Campbell will be better in year two versus year one as a starter? I do. Um, so I, I look, I, I think they've certain guys. Um, um, I think certain guys like Christian Zones are having improved seasons. Um, I'm not sure Kelvin Banks is playing to the All-American level. A lot of people had, had hoped or expected him to. But I think they're doing okay. Are they doing great? It, it, you can't say that. But the question, Bobby, Blake, is how much is it due to the injuries, just throwing everything off of what they wanted to do? I think they're asking more in the tight ends and pass protection. Hey, Jerry, I want to ask you a question real quick, if you don't mind. Um, and this is a recruiting one. Uh, what are we waiting on right now besides Ryan Wingo? I know you and uh, you and Justin have the recruiting breakdown later today. Yeah. What are we waiting on right now uh, besides uh, Ryan uh, Wingo? Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, Ryan Wingo announcement tomorrow at 5 p.m. Uh, expected to be Missouri. Texas is still in contact. Expected to be Missouri. Um, you know, after that, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be on the road here this this afternoon. Um Texas is going after that defensive back position, I think, is huge for recruiting late guys. Wardell Mack, the Florida commitment. Uh, obviously, Corey Gibson, does, that's very much a long shot. Somebody said he put out that he was shut down his recruitment. I mean, kids do that. They, they still pick up the phone. Uh, but that one's very much a long shot. Um, we'll see if Texas makes a move anywhere else in the secondary. I think Solomon Williams could be making a decision here in the next two, three weeks. Um, you know, he really liked Oregon, A&M, Texas, both involved. Uh, we'll see if he goes back to Alabama this weekend for the LSU game. Uh, I think there's that. You know, a couple of those D linemen have been laid offers. Dimitri Nicholas out of Miami, Norland, no official visit set up yet. Uh, Alex Foster, the D lineman, Mississippi committed to Baylor, maybe at the Kansas State game in two weeks. Uh, so that's the linebacker position. Texas, Ty Anthony Smith is remaining locked into A&M right now. Texas is trying on Justin Williams. We'll see if they can get him to Austin. Uh, uh, Coach Schumann for Georgia was at his game Friday. I'm aware that Texas is trying to make a run there um, with Justin Williams. Uh, but that's that's really where things are at uh, right now. Isaiah Williams, the latest receiver offer out of Carrollwood Day. We'll see if he's scheduled an official visit. I think it's probably 50-50, 60-40. 
I think Florida's fighting hard not for him not to make an official to Texas, but it won't surprise I think one set up. Uh, Kobe Black, when that thing yeah, – we remain the same. Texas lean there. Got it. All right. Um, Xavier Philsame, anything on him? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I Texas is in contact there. We will uh, – they're trying to get him to a game either this weekend or for Kansas State. I should know more on that here in the next couple of days. Uh, the interesting thing, thing there is Florida got a five-star defensive line commitment, LJ McCray, Saturday. They keep – they keep their they're keeping some real momentum in their recruiting class right now at Florida. I think the way their season plays out is going to be really big with Phil Same and Wardell Mack right now. All right, guys, let's move on. We got some more questions to get to here. Um, and we've had a lot about Savion Red, Red Cat, whatever you want to call it. So let's get to some of those. Alan Watts says, given our third down problems. How about giving Savion Red more reps? Hey, how about what Brian Irwin said, guys? And, and this is Jerry. I want you to. This one's a big one for you too. Because why do you only have to use the red cat in third and short? Yeah. Why not use it on some first downs? Give it a little more life, given that you have a backup quarterback coming in this week. Yeah. Um, you don't have to just run it on first down or on third downs and third and short. You could actually, now that you have a situation where, you know, your quarterback may be somewhat limited, open that up a little bit. Try to do different things with it um, and give give a guy like Red more touches. Uh, he's earned them, I think, at this point, right? I mean, uh, I'm just, I'm happy the guy's seeing the field. Yes. And people are seeing the kind of energy he brings because that's what we've been hearing about behind the scenes all spring when he made that move to running back. I mean, literally, he was he was knocking some people. Like, he was he and Jalen Ford had some collisions in the spring. So, I, you know, mix it up a little bit. Do something different. When it's first and goal from the nine, go with the red cat. Maybe yeah. do that. I mean, you don't have – it doesn't have to be a short yardage only play just to spice it up and keep people not knowing what you're going to do next. All right, guys, we got another super chat. Jerry, this one's just for you, and it's from UT Boy. And he says, Jerry, how does Jonte really make you feel? I, I'm ready to see him get in the end zone. <laughs> hey, Malik hit him in the in the spring game for the touchdown. Might see it this weekend. Yep. Never know. On an out and up. Let's see if it happens. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, Bobby, you mentioned Coach Irwin a second ago. So this next question has to do with something he said. It's from Daniel Kinnaman. He said, Coach Irwin talked about a next man up mentality. Why do you think coaches would rather use a dinged up player over a young player? Is it just comfort? No, it's consistency. It's that the older player will definitely know where he is supposed to be in their eyes versus a younger player that may bust their assignment 10% of the time still. And so that's why. That's why Anthony Hill isn't playing every single down for David Benda. I mean, Anthony Hill will miss assignments. He's just so talented, you got to play him no matter what. Some of the guys behind him aren't so talented that you have to play them no matter what, Blake. That, that's my opinion. And so it's not a, it's not a desire uh, for the coaches to not play the, a, a younger player. It's... Look, I, 
we can't risk a five-yard penalty here in, in a motion penalty or our wide receiver not being lined up on the on the line of scrimmage, right? It's those little things that matter. Um, and if they're not the focal point of the team, so be it. I mean, that, that's the way it is. So people uh, – I got this next question I really like uh, from Isaiah Stewart. Uh, he says, dealing with a lot of adversity right now, Texas teams of the past would have lost games and bad attitudes. Do you all feel our current culture is in place to sustain us this year? Um, I think it has to be. <laughs> that's what that's that's what I think, um, Jerry. I, you know, I'm I'm looking at it in a way, and uh, Texas dealt with adversity in that fourth quarter really, really well, in my opinion. Um, you lose your starting quarterback, you get tied up, uh, you go back, and, and Keelan Robinson returns one to the 47 after getting hit at the 25 and spinning out of it. Um, uh, I feel like uh, I feel like if we don't pay tribute some to that culture, we're we're missing the point here because those that game against Houston last year was very similar to the game against Texas Tech, in my opinion, a year ago. And that same game a year ago, Texas lost. Yeah. So I think there's been movement in that regard that is very real and tangible. Is it enough, however, to overtake all of their ills or all of their problems? I'm stop. I'd stop short of saying that right now. But it is clearly better, clearly, and paying dividends. Yeah. Uh, we got a super chat from West Texas Oil Field. Thank you. And he says, "Morning, guys. If we see Malik ball out and exceed expectations, do we see Quinn come back and take back the starting position? If we're on a roll." Yes, Quinn Ewers is a starting quarterback at Texas. If he returns this year, he'll be he'll go right back into his starting role at Texas. I don't think there's any question about that. Quinn Ewers six and one as a starter this year, guys. What's Malik Murphy? Malik Murphy going to be three and zero oh at most, two and zero. Oh? I don't think I don't think it works that way. And you know, um, there's the guy that got the guy that got replaced by Lou Gehrig is a guy named Wally Pip. He played one day, got injured or something, and wanted to sit out a day. Lou Gehrig went in for him. Well, Lou Gehrig then didn't miss 2,131 games consecutively. This isn't the same situation. Quinn Ewers isn't Wally Pip. Um, so uh, I think what might happen, though, is the team's focus and ability, if Malik is good, might change the attitude and aptitude of the offense so that Quinn, and this is what I've been talking about, Quinn comes back in as more of a complementary piece off the bat instead of the focal point. Right now, Quinn has been the focal point of the offense because that's what Sark wants. Yes, they've had a good running game, but Quinn's been the focal point. Now, the quarterback position is not going to be the focal point of, of Sark's offense. So what happens in three weeks? That that would be, how does Quinn re-enter as the starting quarterback, not necessarily whether he will or not, because I think he, when he's ready to go, he returns as a starter. Yes. Bobby, I'm glad you explained the Wally Pip reference because you said that yesterday. 
And we had a lot of questions asking you to, to elaborate. So now people know for sure. Uh, guys, Douglas Scott with this question. Do you think the coaches will still be concerned with preserving Arch's red shirt and only play him in four games? Jerry, that's a good one for you. That That's a great question. Um, and look, I, I think at this point, um, it, it, say Malik goes out there and struggles. And then and Arch plays. And I think they're both going to play Saturday. I'm on record. I think they're both going to play Saturday. Um, and I'm not saying Malik's going to struggle. I just think they're both going to play. Um, I, I think if Arch come, you know, if if Quinn doesn't return this year and Malik goes out and struggles and Arch comes in and doesn't, well, the red shirt's off the table because, you know, the, the Cooper Manning and everybody understands it's about winning games. Texas is ranked in the top 10. And if they're winning games um, and they have a chance to play for something, the rest goes out the window, and here's the thing. Arch Manning's not going to be in Austin five years anyways. He's not, probably not going to be in – he may be in Austin four years. No Manning's left early, right, for the pros, but the chance of him being in five in Austin five years are zero uh, unless there's injury. All right, I'm not sure if Blake, if Blake is uh, paused here or not, Jerry, uh, but I'm going to keep going and, and talk take a few more questions here. Uh, this is On Texas Football. Uh, I'm joined by Jerry Hamilton. I'm Bobby Burton. Coffee and football uh, each and every morning here. Uh, let's keep going and ask. Uh, I had one that, that I thought was interesting down here uh, that uh, always uh, gets me going. And that's this. Hard question from Bobby Batronic. We probably drop one on the drop one game on the home stretch or down, not at home necessarily, but he's saying the home stretch last five games here of the regular season and missed the title game because of injuries, quarterback, et cetera. I actually am on – I agree with this. I think Texas is going to drop at least one down the road now because of the injuries. At that point, does QE risk injury uh, returning for a meaningless bowl game? Jerry, you and I talked about this off camera. We, You and I had maybe a 15-minute discussion. I think it was like, man, it's either Sunday or Monday, right? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that Quinn, we both think Quinn wants to come back? No doubt. But is he going to come back for, or is he going to try to make a business decision? I, I lean to the fact that he wants to see it through this season. Yes. Try to put more film out there for guys. Uh, but I, I do, I do not at this point expect him back next year. I'll be, I'll be clear no. about that. Yeah. What about this year? Uh, so, Look, I think if he can play again this year, he's going to play again regardless because I think he's shown he does that in the past. You know, look, he he's a part of this team. He took on a leadership role of this team. I don't think he's going to walk away from that for personal reasons. I, I don't think that is going to be the case. When he got injured his junior year at, at South Lake Carroll and had that hernia surgery, he – didn't have to come back and play in the playoffs. He came back and played in the playoffs, ended up getting the crack rib in the state championship game. You know, last year, obviously that was early in the season, but if you look at his past, there's no way if he can play, he's just going to shut it down. I, he hasn't done that in the past, and people can say, well, it's a business decision now. I don't think Quinn's wired that way. Quinn is the leader of this team. He's taken on a leadership role of this team. 
I don't think he wants to leave the University of Texas with a shoulder sling on. I don't. I, I, I if I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. I don't believe it's going to happen unless medically he can't come back. Jerry, here's another one uh, that that I thought would be good. Uh, Blake, sorry to take over the leadership role here on these questions. Uh, Jerry, if Jay Brooks continues to have a breakout season but decides to stay for another season, do you think we could lose one of our RB recruits, uh, Christian Clark or Jarrett Gibson, because of a very crowded RB room? Well, the the interesting thing there is is no surface. Jarrett Gibson's a December high school graduate. Christian Clark, and that dude ain't running from any competition. Um, and now, I, I think Choice has great relationships with the guys and the parents. I mean, look, Florida's going to keep recruiting Jarrett Gibson all the way through. That's not going to that, – they're going to recruit him uh, uh, through the whistle on their end, like, like Texas is going to recruit Wardell back and some other guys through the whistle on their end. Uh, but, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think these guys know that more than one back plays. They've seen it now for two years. Um, but I do think if Jonathan Brooks continues to have the season he's having, he'll go pro. All right, guys, we're going to do one more question here and kind of interested to get y'all thoughts on this. This is from Colton and he's, and I want to know more in the general sense of, do you think we'll ever see this in college football? Why not communicate via helmet speakers? That's the way it should be. Do y'all think we will ever see that at the NCAA level like we do in the NFL? I have, Matt Rule said this yesterday in his press conference for, for Nebraska, and I completely agree. Just cut all the crap out. You know, speak into the quarterback's helmet. Um, find one or two guys on defense that you can do the same and be done with it. Yeah. Then, then you take all of this. Well, it costs more money. That's the NCAA's antiquated approach to this well i don't want to have to spend this money it's that's more money out of our dude give me a break they're spending more money on smoothies for these kids than it would cost to put electronic gear in their helmets yes i mean stop being so antiquated with rules i and i will say this another thing matt rule said and i i'm not this big matt rule fan or anything but i happened to see part of his press conference yesterday how much would we all like to stop seeing those bizarre signs being yes. shown on the side? Those they make it makes the game look like it's being played in third grade. Coaches in purple shirts with longhorns on our pink shirts. I just, I mean, it's just they just. I, I agree with Matt Rule. Where would we be? Jim Harbaugh wouldn't be about to maybe get kicked out of college football. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I mean, I I think look. I, I don't think there's any reasonable reason why, Colton. That's your answer, other than the fact that the NCAA is more worried about whether or not guys get, I don't know, $1,000 for NIL instead of 10000 or twenty or whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. They've got a bigger fish to fry, apparently. <laughs> Bobby rolls his eyes. All right, Bobby. Well, let everybody know what else you got coming on on Texas football later today. Well, actually, Jerry and Justin get together for their uh, weekly for the recruiting breakdown. Uh, we talked a little bit about those guys. They're going to go a little more in depth uh, on some certain players. They're both out and about trying to see some of the top guys in the state uh, for this year and next year uh, right now. Uh, and then uh, later tonight, uh, the live stream returns. Uh, Rod Babers, Jerry, and Aaron Hogan uh, will all be on uh, tonight. Aaron's going to host for us. Uh, good to have him uh, joining us on, on uh, Inside Texas and on Texas football. 
Okay, guys. Well, we want to thank all of you for tuning in. We want to thank Game Time for sponsoring today's show. Uh, thank you for all the super chats as well. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime a new video is posted right here on On Texas Football. And hey, we're getting closer to 25,000 subscribers, so we'll be giving away that poster soon. Be sure to tell your friends to subscribe as well. It's getting real close. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Don't forget to check us out on InsideTexas.com, guys. Have a good one. Hook them.